the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 200, or as I like to call it, episode 212, <laughs> because because uh, of a number of a variety of different reasons. Number one, we didn't have a whole lot of input on episode 200, so um, I went back through and I found out that we actually have, this, this is technically episode 212 counting all of our previous specials mm. and 0.5 cast episodes that we previously did. So this is technically 212. So we're just going to run with that. And when we eventually get to 250, which will be roughly in about a year and a half, when we get to that point, we will then do a, something special because it'll be a bigger landmark because it's 250, not 200. So um, we're always open for ideas for episode number 250. And we'll start taking those ideas now with hope that we get enough input prior to 250. So from now on, if you are listening to this, this is episode 200 slash 212. We're doing DC renumbering here, and we're just going to jump back into where we really should be. So I'm Dustin, and my hosts, as usual, are... This is Ed, who's as confused as the listeners are. And this is Gretchen. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of November 13th through December 3rd. We have a total of three books to cover, just a tad bit of news to cover, so let's just jump into news. So two real quick things to talk about. Uh, The first one is solicitations came out for February 2017. Um, Not a whole lot to talk about uh, other than this is going to be the month where Batwoman launches. Um, Batwoman's going to be coming out. Uh, with her first issue, which is Batman, Batwoman Rebirth number one. Um, the artist is going to be Ben Oliver and Steve Epstein. I'm not sure mm. if uh, Steve Epstein and Ben Oliver are going to rotate month to month or how that's going to work. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it was announced over in something we're going to talk about in a little bit, DC Currents, that Steve Epstein is the ongoing artist, so maybe Ben Oliver is just around for Rebirth number the Rebirth issue. So um, in addition to that little chunk of news, um, the other bit is in February, All-Star Batman seems to have a one-shot type issue featuring Poison Ivy. Um, the artist is Tula Lotte, uh, who's going to be doing a story with Scott Snyder based off of Poison Ivy. Um, so that's the other real bit of news. The only other thing to talk about other than we already knew Justice League of America was happening and Batman's in that, and we'll be covering that on the website. Um, but the other bit of news is that Super Sons is coming out in February, and we finally know exactly creative team we already knew peter tomasi was attached but the artist is going to be jorge jimenez who has previously worked on a variety of titles for dc comics including teen titans at different points so that is who's going to be on super sons so what do we think of the solicitations uh one thing i couldn't figure out from the solicit is batwoman and super sons twice a month books or once a month books i think they're just once a month are they once a monthers hmm okay that's fine then, I guess. I really like 
the news that Steve Eftin is the artist. Um, he was uh, he pairs up with Ed Brubaker a lot. Uh, he was doing Cap Captain America with Ed Brubaker um, during like the Winter Soldier run, and then he was also doing. Uh, Velvet, with, which is an image title with Ed Brubaker. And it's like this really kind of noir feel to it. And I almost really want his style to inform how the storytelling is. I mean, who's the writer on this? Oh, it's Marguerite Bennett, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, and she's been doing uh, with the 50s and stuff. Well, the 40s. And, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, this could be a really cool tone and like a different take on Batwoman that I think would be really sweet. So I'm super excited. I, I don't know. Is Ben Oliver the one who is doing Green Arrow stuff? He was at a point, yes. Um, I okay. believe he started Green Arrow when it first launched okay. back in June. Gotcha. Okay. So we both, well, I mean, Ben Oliver is, yeah, not a new name, at least for ben us. Ben Oliver yes, also he, was on Batwing when Batwing first launched. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So they both have, yeah, an interesting style. Hopefully they have um, colors and inkers that really suit that style. But that really excites me. And I'm like even more excited to see what this uh, solo title is going to be like for Kate. And I and I have to correct myself. I misspoke and said Jorge Jimenez had previously worked on Teen Titans. What I meant to say was that he previously worked on the Earth Two titles because he was part of World's End, Earth Two Society, um, and he's worked on a lot of other digital first series like Arkham Unhinged and Arrow and Smallville season eleven. So he's he's done a lot of different work with DC. That's what I meant to say, not Teen Titans. Um, but what I was talking about earlier with this DC current. So if you weren't if you weren't in the know or you don't head to the comic shop because you buy your stuff digitally, although if you, I believe it's available digitally for free as well, uh, DC has started this thing called Direct Currents, which is basically a magazine promoting some of their upcoming titles and work that is coming out soon. Um, so the first issue of this just just released, and inside there was a number of different story points from the Batman universe that were hinted at. Um, obviously, the big thing that they're promoting right now is Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Um, because we, we, that's, that's just around the corner. That's actually going to be happening come here in the end of December. So it's right around the corner. Um, but the big reveal for that crossover is the villains, which will include Maxwell Lord Lobo and the Emerald Empress. Um, so that's it. As I said, that's happening at the end of December, but some of the other story points not related to, that crossover. Um, they talked about Bane also appearing back in the book and he's coming back to Gotham. Um, All-Star Batman talked about Mr. Freeze coming to the story um, with Scott Snyder being joined by Jock after the Two-Face story wraps up. Uh, they gave a little bit discussion about Batwoman um, as Batwoman is going to be searching down the source of the toxin that was responsible for the monster men in the arc that current that, that just previously happened um, Night of the Monster Men. Um, then we had uh, talked about Batgirl with Ethan Cobblepot, um, which I, I, I don't want to get into because we've actually discussed that before. Uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> Harley Quinn so is going to be battling Wonder Woman over in Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Um, and then in her main title, she's actually been dealing with Joker, who seems to be seem, seemingly is a very apologetic. Uh, Damian Wayne is going to have his series in Super Sons. Um, as Damian and John Kent square off against each other. And like I said, Peter J. Tomasi is going to be working with Jorge Jimenez. 
Um, that's going to start in February. And then Teen Titans, Damien is going to be um, working alongside uh, the, the Titans, which he's currently doing right now, but they talked about a little bit more in, in DC Currents. It's, the story's already been happening, but the art's going to be done by Koi Pham, who, who, was, huh. who was replacing John Boy Myers, um, who left after, I believe, the second issue. He left after the second issue because of creative right. differences or whatever, and Koi Pham has come in to replace him. And then also, uh, I talked about Nightwing coming back to Bloodhaven, and Huntress, Batgirl, and Black Canary looking to buy some Gotham real estate together. Um, sure. So that's the stuff that's coming up. But I, I, I thought this was interesting because, honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect from this this magazine to begin with. I mean, it is free, so you really can't complain one way <laughs> or the other because you're sure. not paying anything for it. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like reading through it, there was also talk in there. There was a letter from Dan DiDio talking about um, how – DC Rebirth is the the Rebirth title that came out last May is going to there's, there's going to start to be more things that are playing out that are going to hint mm. at what's coming up and it's going to be something that's happening summer of 2017. Um, the explanation as to who's behind Tim Drake and other people being taken from the main DC universe will be revealed at some point in 2017. This isn't something that's going to take years for them to get to. Uh, they have every intention of doing that. And then I'm guessing also um, we're going to see that Joker that, you know, the pickup of the three Jokers um, that, that was also hinted at during the DC Universe Rebirth one shot last May from Jeff Johns. So um, there's a lot of real cool tidbits, some stuff that you would not be able to know if you just read solicitations. And if you don't read solicitations, there's a ridiculous amount of information in one place for free. So, props on them i mean i understand it's a promotional tool it's a marketing tool it's a way to get people to buy more comics but it's a smart thing in my opinion because it's free and nobody's gonna argue with free yeah i mean even if for some reason you you read it and was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever read it didn't cost anything so so who cares you know and there was some real stuff you know the the drop that maxwell lord is going to be the bad guy because uh, no one was really sure about that was interesting. I, I just hope that we get to the same place in continuity and we get to see uh, Wonder Woman cut his head off again. Because if not, I, 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 I <laughs> that's not what he she twisted it around backwards. Well, didn't she, she did cut his head off? Didn't did, did, no, I remember did like right before Infinite? She like twisted it all the way around and so like his head was facing the back. Isn't that what she oh. did? That's right. I thought she cut it off. Like but, right uh, before. And everyone was like shocked at this because she committed murder. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Because I remember that's it was like dope. looked really heinous. Um, <laughs> I have a question actually. Uh, how will, th- will this, do you think, at all impact sales of previews? Because isn't that, don't you have to buy previews? You Okay. Well, technically the way it works is the comic shop is supposed to be supplied X amount of copies based off of the volume order that they, they get. Um, it's supposed to cost money. Yes. Because the comic shop can charge for it, but that's just money that goes straight to the comic shop. Cause they get it for free. Yeah. Cause they get it for free. It's basically a promotional tool to get people to buy more items. Um, my subscription service that I had, which is not a national subscription service. It was just a local comic shop that would ship my comics wherever I lived. Um, and they 
provided me a free previews catalog every single month. It was just part of the subscription. If you bought X amount of books, which I think it was like, if you bought 10 books, not only would you get free shipping wherever you wanted, but you'd also get the previews magazine as well. So I, I mean, maybe it'll affect it. I mean, this is only supposed to happen once a quarter quarter? too. So that's the other thing is it's not going to happen every month. Although mm-hmm. I believe DC just recently made their previews separate too. Like Marvel has their previews separate. I don't know for sure because I don't get that anymore. Um, I don't get the previews anymore because I switched a subscription service. But the I remember it was one giant previews magazine. And then Marvel's previews were always in like a separate thinner book. And I thought somebody – I thought I read somewhere that DC – did that exact same thing at the beginning of rebirth. They separated all of their stuff into their own book too. And I think that's true because I remember seeing something online. DC was publishing the book that was, you know, the, their previews book uh, for free online for people to download if they wanted to. Yeah. You could get that. I saw the digital version, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it's, they separated it in the normal one too. I couldn't tell you for sure, but I think that's the case. So if there's somebody listening out there who either works at a comic shop or gets previews magazine, let us know if that is the case. All right. So with that, that is all the news we have. Not that much news to discuss, but we do. It's always lean in the winter. It's yeah, always, yeah, it is. I mean, as we get closer to Christmas and, and ho- the holidays in general, it always gets super lean. So, and then con season starts back up with with uh, like Emerald, Emerald yeah, City. Emerald City on that. Yeah. yeah, and that's when it'll start back up again. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we do have some books to cover, so let's just get into those <laughs> books. And the first one we have is Batman. Batman number eleven. I am Suicide Part Three. Writer Tom King, pencils Mikhail Janin. We see the chase and conversation between Batman and Catwoman on the day he was to catch her after she killed 237 people. Now, Batman, Catwoman, and Wesker, Wesker, it's Wesker, right? And Wesker are in the sewers, but uh, separate as Catwoman and Wesker get into position. Outside, Bronze, Tiger, Punch, and Julie wait to get invited in. Here, besides a very strange conversation, a trick hand, and a tattoo made with uh, his own fingernail, um, (laughs) we also learn that Tiger may have dabbled in some venom. It was very, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, they then pull a new hope, you know, Star Wars, a new hope with Tiger pretending to take in Punch and Julie as captives. Hopefully you're understanding my connection, to a new hope and gifts for, uh, they're taking them in as gifts for Bane. Elsewhere, Catwoman asks Wesker if the Scarface thing is just a farce, uh, but he says, no, no, no. Then she ends up separating from him only to reappear in the meeting with Bane. She scratches out the throats of Punch and Julie and then tells Bane that it's all a trap and Batman is waiting to break Bane. All she wants is a plane, some money to disappear, you know, easy things. And she will tell him how to finally break the bat. Next up, the bat breaks. Do, 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 do. Hey, my, my huh. first question is about Wesker, actually. 
you know, the thought that we have a depowered human on the team, I think, is one thing. He doesn't even have his, I guess you could consider his better half. He's in the sewers. We don't really know what his point is. Batman's very threatening to Catwoman when he separates from them and tells Catwoman to take care of him. So my question is, why is Arnold Wesker such an important figure? Uh, we don't have too many hints, but can you foresee the reason why he's on this team, what he has to offer and why he's so important. I don't know why he's on the team as of right now, but realistically, I don't know why half the people are that are on the team or why half the people are on the team are on the team. I don't know that this single issue has really led us to understand the meaning behind why he picked who he picked or Batman. That is who he, you know, who Batman picked on to be on the team. So there's that part of it. Um, but specifically for Wesker, I honestly couldn't tell you. I mean, maybe there's going to be a point where he's going to, you know, he can throw his voice and that'll come in handy. Mm. I don't know. It's the only thing I can think of. But it seems like that's then he's just there for a plot point because how mm-hmm. could you prepare for something like that ahead of time? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something that, I don't know. Wesker, what was Wesker, an accountant kind of before he went? You know, nutty. I can't believe he's there to audit Bane's taxes. I don't know. I kind of thought we'd get something this issue on it, but he's just kind of running around. Like you said, his only special power is, I guess, ventriloquism, which doesn't really seem to be very handy. I mean, I guess you could come up with some ridiculous, like, you know, he gets on the intercom and uses Bane's voice or something goofy. But it's a good question. I don't have a really good answer. Um, Yeah. I mean, he seems to cry a lot and hide a lot. (laughs) And I'm not really sure what he's doing there, but there's going to be something, I'm sure, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah, I just, he's an interesting character, I think. I don't know if we often get to see him without Scarface. I think when we do, you you start to see like this humble little guy and and get to know him a little bit. But this is just interesting to have him on a mission because normally we see him out in the world. Um, And I don't know if I have such a clue either. I just thought it was very, it was very interesting when Batman's like, He's so important to this mission. And I'm wondering if he has more to do, maybe not with Bane, but with Psycho Pirate. And maybe somehow, like, he could have a connection with him since Wesker is able to have, like, a connection with, you know, his doll. I don't know. Um, But if he's able to somehow be a ventriloquist with Psycho Pirate, since Psycho Pirate seems to be easily manipulated by different people, I'm not sure. Uh, But I just wondered if any of you had any insights on that. My only thought would be we would see a bit of a retcon here, maybe. And Wesker's given some metahuman abilities, but mm. oh, I hope. Oh, not. Wow. I really hope not. Oh, I'm not saying I like the idea, but he's there something to do with Psycho Pirate, and I can't think of any way that Arnold Wesker would be able to stop Psycho Pirate unless we're going to have like a battle of the deranged minds, mind mm. power people. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it was a tough question to ask since there may not be an answer on that. Uh, my other. Um, question is regarding Catwoman because I think that's sort of the the thing of the day, right? Were you shocked at all by what happened at the end? And do you think that she really is betraying Batman uh, and she's just out for number one herself? Or is it a triple cross and uh, this is like part of the plan? The fact that it happens at the end of the issue makes me believe that it's triple cross because I mean, based off of whatever, whatever issue it was where it was revealed that she had X amount of murders and everyone was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. She's not a murderer. Then it was revealed as, you know, in the next issue, what they were referring to, which still don't think is, is super in character. But anyway, this this in this specific 
situation. I feel like it, it's setting it up to be a triple cross because of where it happened. Um, if it's not a triple cross and she really is out for number one, they took the, the possibility of um, making this character okay again and completely ruining it yet again. So I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> Oh man! I think it is definitely a triple cross because, um, like you said, it's at the end of the issue. Uh, we we kind of had the Selena stuff in the past couple issues. I, I mean, I would assume that one of the points in this this story is to put Selena back in the universe in some side of status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I'm just wanting to see something that's not there, but I really want the status quo to be what it should be, which is Selena is kind of this anti-hero who's mostly good and will occasionally do bad things and has a kind of on again, off again, long-term romantic relationship with Batman. So I'm hoping that's what they get it to. So maybe I'm being willfully ignorant, but I would like to hope that this just uh set up. You know, the one problem with that is because they've set this up <laughs> as she actually went and sought out those people to, to murder. Yes. They're, they're kind of setting up in a way where how can she possibly be redeemed and how can Batman possibly be like, forgive her for that. That's the only like that was the only thing that made me question is this maybe the way they're actually going because I kept thinking to myself why would they why would they lead with you know that explanation like you could sit there and say maybe it was justified maybe she was pulling a Punisher situation where you know you know in some ways you're looking at it from the perspective of you know they're getting rid of a bad guy so maybe it's okay. And you're, you know, you're, you're really on that, you know, that line between good and bad and you're really doing it because yeah, she might be doing something bad, but is it for a good reason? Maybe that's what they're doing. And maybe that's why, but when I thought about that, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know how they could potentially, I don't, honestly, it, the way they have set it up with the explanation of the murders, I don't know how she could be redeemed in Batman's eyes to begin with. It'd be tough. Yeah, I mean, it'd be tough to get him back to a romantic relationship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, in this issue, she kind of feels like she's killing people too. Yeah, you know, when she cuts the throats of those two jigabooties, whatever they were called, um, <laughs> Punch and Julie. Yeah, Punch and Julie. Sorry, <laughs> whoever words, they are. Wow, words not working. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of feels like she was killing them when she was cutting their throats. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure so, what Ed meant to say was whoever these random people are that were designated to be the ones who got killed on the Suicide Squad of Batman. Yeah, like the <laughs> no, cannon, yeah, but they the were in the original fodder. Suicide Squad. Oh, I understand, they're not just like just random villains. Well, I'm not saying they're random villains. I'm just saying you could tell that they were they were randomly placed here with not very they're many not people knowing anymore. who they are, yeah. so that they sure. could be killed. They're not going to be filling. They're dead now. Uh, yeah. But no, she 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 kills them. Or at least it, it appears that she kills them. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you don't think they're going to turn Selene into like this hardcore, like dropping bodies all over the place person, do you? Because it certainly feels like they might be. Which, and again, I, maybe I'm just being willfully ignorant and hoping for a better resolution. But if we've got her body count at 270 and counting, um, yeah, I could see where that would be difficult for Bruce to get over. Um, it, yeah, well, and, and you say, I mean, I think even though trust takes time, I feel like with Batman, it's really hard. I mean, poor, you know, I hate to keep on beating this drum, but, uh, 
poor uh, Huntress really had to go through a lot of stuff in order to earn his trust. And I, you know, who knows if she even has it. I don't think she ever did really. (laughs) I know, but she, she was in charge of the city when they were away, you know, trying to find the cure for the legacy virus, but then they come back and she's out in the cold again. Um, But yeah, I, I just think it would be, it would be really sad if she were to do this, but I do. So I'm really hoping it's a triple cross. The only things that sort of make me nervous that it's not is that number one, Batman's an event watching it all go down. And he says, no, um, as if he, he, you know, shocked about it because that's not like he, we're not in a movie here where like the audience could be tricked by it. Like he's in a sewer event and no one should be watching him. Really? He shouldn't be breaking the fourth wall. And then the other thing is that clearly, you know, the 237 people is one thing. It seems like there's a bit of a character change where, well, maybe this was always Selena where she is very selfish in her motives and is out for herself. So, you know, if she wants to get away from everything and, and get off of the, um, the death penalty or death row, then, you know, maybe this is their chance. And maybe she saw Punch and Julie as, as throwaways as you two do. Um, <laughs> or, you know, it's just a little, it's a little, what is it called? Was the Black Knight say? Is it just to scratch? Oh. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Monty Python. Python. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a scratch. Um, but ugh, so I'm a little concerned that it's not. But I, I agree with you, Dustin, that I think it'd be very unfortunate because then I think we'll probably say goodbye to um, an antihero or a quote unquote good Selena Kyle for. I don't know, the foreseeable future. All right, so that's Batman. So I'm going to give this issue a total of three out of five. Uh, Two and a half out of five. Yikes. I'm going to go with three out of five as well. All right, so that's going to – and then over on the website, Matthew gave it two and a half. That's going to give Batman number 11 a total of three out of five Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. All right, Detective Comics number 945, written by James Tiny IV, art by El Berrio Nuevo. Uh, the issue starts yeah. off with uh, the uh, we, we see Stephanie Brown in Leslie Tompkins' free clinic. She's recuperating, recuperating. yes, yeah. from Mr. Noxious' vicious poisonous attack. Batman is asking exactly what she heard. Harper Rowe and Batman both stress the severity of the victim syndicate's threat to kill people tonight if Batman refuses to unmask. However, Steph is clearly hiding things, but Batman retreats to confer with Batwoman. A plan to have Leslie run psych evaluations on the team, as Kate suggested in the first issue of the arc. As Batman drives through the city, he talks to Alfred on comms, attempting to remember the first civilian victim of his crusade. Alfred asks Batman if he's worried about the integrity of the mission, or is he just reacting to Tim's death? As Spoiler arrives at the roof of the Belfry, she struggles with the emotions of her memories of Tim's death. She meets Luke Fox upon entering, and she tells him she knows a bit about him from Batgirl. He shows her his upgrades to her to her suit, including something to protect her against a repeat poisoning. Meanwhile, Clayface uh, recounts his history of Mudface, Gloria Griffin, to Leslie. He drowned her in the chemicals which turned him into Clayface when she tried to stop him from his first rampage. Mudface gave Clayface a photo album of all his victims, and he tells Leslie that while in clay form, his brain lost the ability to recognize morality. Distraught, Clayface questions his place fighting with Batman. 
Outside the room, Cass embraces Steph, and Leslie invites Spoiler in. Below, Jacob Kane and the captured colony soldiers wait away their hours while Jacob continues to insist that he must speak with Kate. As Batwoman watches the surveillance of the prisoners, Batwoman questions why she doesn't speak to her father. She lashes out, expressing her distrust for of his commitment to heroism without having to pay any of the costs that the rest of the team have already suffered. At Leslie's clinic, Harper and Sean Paul Valley are discussing Stephanie's attack, and Sean Paul offers some spiritual advice and comfort, but the victim, victim syndicate arrives. The clinic is their promised target. Sean Paul tells Harper to contact the team and pulls out his flaming sword of Azrael to hold off the syndicate. Leslie attempts to get Steph to open up about her losses, but Steph recounts her doubts about the team and Batman's mission overall. As Leslie probes further, Stephanie realizes that Batman is watching and uses her knowledge of Tim's tech to reveal Bruce. She angrily sides with the victim's syndicate argument, and he grounds her as Batwing rushes in to alert them of the attack on the clinic. Alone, Steph walks to the mudroom where she speaks to a simulation of Tim Drake. Or is it? Or is it a simulation? All right, so that's uh, that issue. A couple questions here. So as my co-hosts have already kind of spoiled my first question, which was going to be my last, <laughs> was actually going to be my last question. Um, <laughs> she walks into the mudroom and she's speaking to what I assume is a simulation of Tim Drake. But as you both had said, or is it? So what do you think? Is she uh, Is she speaking to a simulation? Is it really Tim Drake? Or has she just gone nuts? All options are on the table, uh, especially since she was in the middle of a psychological evaluation. I think it's probably the, just the mudroom version of Tim, um, mm-hmm. but he is very nice. He, I can't remember the exact line, but he says something like, I'll always be here or whatever. Um, I think but, it just says always, but yeah. Always, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it gives, you know, it gives the impression of that. But, I mean, the fact is Tim is not dead, so you could have a very interesting plot which we probably won't see, but we could have a very interesting plot where Tim is trying to communicate with Stephanie from this uh, prison place he's with uh, Doctor, you know, Oz at, um, which he mm. could, you know, be using some legitimate technology to try to communicate with Stephanie, and he, it could all be real, and we could know it because we know Tim's not dead, and we could have a whole plot where we think Stephanie or everyone else thinks Stephanie's gone insane, um, which could lead to you know some very interesting stuff for having a shutdown with Tim or. I think that could be an interesting way to go, but I think it's probably just a simulation. But maybe they'll go something more interesting with it. I so I mean, there's evidence that would suggest it's obviously her um, talking to the danger room because you know she's up there type type typing, and then she comes down. Okay, they're gone. I need to talk. You are there. Um, but why does she feel the need to say, "Okay, they're gone. I need to talk to you," um, or I'm sorry, why does she feel the need to say, "Okay, they're gone"? Uh, you know, she would just walk in and say, "I need to talk to you," um, as as if it were you know a secret, something popping out of there. Um, yeah, she may be a little emotionally unhinged, as I think anyone would be losing, you know, the, the, the love of their life. But I almost wonder if there's like some way that he was able to connect to her um, or I guess relay or communicate with her from where his position is. Now, then the question would be, why would he do that for her and not potentially for Batman. But, you know, if you were to choose one person to say, you know, I'm okay, then perhaps it would be um, 
your your beloved. But uh, you know, the the logical reason is that uh, it's the danger room, and uh, and, and that's what it is. Um, but I kind of would like to think that because he's been out of the picture for so long, that it's uh, he he was able to MacGyver some parts together and uh, send some sort of holographic image to her and tell her that she's okay. Um, but I don't know. Okay, so my thought is is, is probably going to be completely preposterous to everybody here. Okay, but good. This is good this is what I'm thinking. Okay, so sure. I think what we're supposed to think is that it's a simulation. That's why I said that um, because when she, you know she she clicks the buttons, then she says, "Okay, you're gone," and then he appears. So the click, click, click of the buttons is very important because we're led to believe that she's in the mudroom and she's, she's there and she's going to see him. Okay. That's, that's what we're, that's what's shown. Now, what I actually think is happening is if you remember from the beginning of the issue and the end of the last issue, the first victim comes to her and does something. She doesn't tell that man that the first victim was there in the last issue. Um, She just is like, you know, she's hiding something. So what if the first victim did something? What if the first victim's power is something where it, it mm. like is like a, it like messes with your mind where you immediately you're, you're like hallucinating your something you've lost or I, I, I can't explain exactly what it is, but I feel like the reason why she says that comments about, okay, they're gone. I need to talk to you. Are you here? Is because she's probably been talking with him ever since the first victim was uh, around, and that's why. That's why she's what she's seeing. Exactly, and that's why we're not led to. That's why we're shown that she's hitting the buttons, making us believe that it's a simulation. But really, it's happening in her mind because of something that the first victim did, and that's why we didn't see the re, you know the reaction or the the fallout from the first victim being with spoiler in the previous issue is because of that very reason. So that's what I'm thinking it is. Um, as much as I'd love to believe that Tim Drake somehow MacGyvered some stuff, I, I just don't see that entirely possible. That probably makes more sense. Yeah. Hate to ruin it for anybody who was well, not looking at it like that, but I think that's did. the way it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So then uh, the, my other, co- my other question I want to talk about is so, uh, we've seen Sean Paul Valley before in in the in the series, um, and clearly he played a big role in Batman Robin um, Eternal, um, which was headed up by James Tynion as well. But now he's in Detective Comics. He's been volunteering his time at Leslie Tompkins Free Clinic along with Harper Rowe. We see that he still has the ability to pull out his flaming sword if he really needs to, um, and that's not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> oh dear. But uh, basically, he has he has he has the ability. He still has the flaming sword, so he can still become Azrael. Um, I remember James Tynion actually mentioned on Twitter at some point that Azrael will most will will become part of the team at some point um, in the next few months. I think it's after after uh, Batwoman gets her solo series. Not that Batwoman's going anywhere, but I think that he's going to be coming onto the team too. Now I don't know if that means that. Stephanie's going to leave the team or somebody else is going to leave the team, but Azrael's coming on board at some point. So how do you feel about Azrael as what we've been shown 
I, I'm going to ignore I, – I, I don't want you to completely ignore Batman and Robin Eternal and the craziness that that was with John Paul Valley. But the way the character has been portrayed here in Detective Comics, do you think he would actually be a worthwhile addition to the team? I kind of like the team the way it is. I mean, Tim's dead. We brought in Batwing, who – Batwing's probably going to be gone in like four months because Batwing oh. doesn't stay in any, any comic book for longer than like four months. I mean, he only stayed in his own comic book for like 18 months. So – He'll probably be gone, which I think is kind of stupid because he's. I think he's the missed opportunity here. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, don't talk about Batman and Robin Eternal. Like, shh, but it happened. <laughs> you're like, you know. Like, <laughs> wasn't, I mean, like, like, what was that? I don't remember that. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. You know, like, it wasn't great, and his character wasn't great in it. And I can't believe since uh, you know JT Four was behind both of them that even though we may like to forget about it, I don't think he is going to forget about it. Um, so I would be just, I am totally cool with Azrael playing like this bit character shows up every once in a while for him plot and part plot thing. But as a, every month on the cover part of the team and eh, rather we didn't. I, you know, with an ensemble book, I think the, you need some characters like that. I, I think, and, you know, I, I go back to, to Spider-Man a lot, but I think he's a good model of, you know, you have a hero as a center role, but then there are these wonderful minor characters that he interacts with, both as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And so I think, and, and, and I think to a certain extent, Batman's like that, but I don't know if I necessarily always saw him like that because sort of it's always Alfred or maybe there's a Robin around. But this is the first time that I think we're really starting to get into that. And I think Jean-Paul is uh, becoming... He's he's playing such an interesting role because he's sort of a linchpin between a between a couple different characters. I mean, with Harper and you know Steph was also sort of hanging out there, and I think Cass could also be somebody. And even if you know for whatever reason Eternal became like a dirty word, uh, I think he um, is, is able to fill an interesting role that um, whether that history is intact or not, um, he, he could be Azrael or he could just stay, you know, as his human self. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of potential with him. As we see, you know, he's either the mild man or doctor, or he's a guy that just whips his sword out and um, <laughs> goes crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one pan or yeah, I guess a panel uh, of him, you know, saying this is a place of you and a place that you do not belong here. Uh, and just the, the fire everywhere, which which is, I, I think, pretty good. I think it's a bit of a full house right now, which is, I think, where Ed was going with that, uh, potentially. So I don't want him to just be shoehorned. I think this is a great way to potentially slip him in there because even, you know, Harper's not on the team, uh, but she's playing a part to a certain extent. Um, so, you know, I think you've got to get rid of maybe somebody um, and – Luke's not really playing much of a part anyways. Um, he's more of an annoyance to me, and I wish kind of we would talk about him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Jean-Paul, I like what he's doing right now, and I think you've got you've to make place for him on the team. You can't just, like, force him in there. Um, so I'd like to just keep on uh, doing, you know, what's going on here and then um, seeing what happens. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if – Steph leaves the team at some point, um, and one of these two fills that role. Um, you know, Harper's sort of on the break uh, from Batman uh, for whatever reason, um, so it could be either of those. But I just wonder if there will be some spaces that will come available. 
Well, it's it's interesting because I think that it's also pretty full right now. Um, mm. The reason why I'm not talking about Batwing is because I don't feel like Batwing has had a whole lot to do in these few issues that we've seen him. He really just feels like, and I and it's there's no real reason I'm comparing him to this, but the Harold Allnut of this team because Aww. he's literally just he's just here. I mean, mm. and there's nothing against Harold, but he doesn't really play a role other than just here's some new tech try it out it's awesome right i thought so um and that's 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 basically what batwing feels like right now and i feel like it is a missed opportunity but i think that's the reason i'm I'm not bringing him up is because i feel like he's gonna play a role at some other point it's just this isn't his story that being said um with with Azrael, i i think that bringing him in bringing him in is fine um i don't know if i want him on the team full-time i feel like the problem is the inclusion of somebody like Clayface, where you wouldn't picture Clayface as part of a team that's headed up by Batman, or you know that's operating under Batman's uh, under under his uh, supervision. Um, you would not imagine that Clayface is that, but Batman somehow sees Clayface as this redeemable character, which means that Azrael could obviously also be a type of redeemable character. So maybe. What ends up happening is that Clayface goes crazy by the end of this story because he's pushed to the brink. Because he's on of his the way stuff. there. Yeah, he's already on his way there uh, yeah. because of the stuff with Mudface. And then he leaves the team, and then Azrael mm. comes in to fill that role of, you that know, just, yeah, n- well, not job that, you know, is, you know, maybe Batman thinks is redeemable in some way, shape, or form. Um, because in some ways, when you look at it, Tim was replaced by somebody who is who has tech skills for mm. no other reason than he has tech skills. Um, so maybe that's, that's where they're going with it. But I guess the thing for me is I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to him being part of the team. I just wanted to have a real reason. And I kind of want them to address some of the mistakes they did with the character during Batman Robin Eternal, even though I would just like to pretend it didn't happen. And this is just Sean Paul Valley who, you know, we know from pre new 52 who, well, really he wasn't around. So it doesn't really make a big difference. But anyway, my point is, you know, I'm fine with him being on the team. I just, I I want them to develop the character. And part of it is, yes, there is too many people. And it's a sad thing because I, I have been saying month in month, month in and month out, you know, since the beginning that I love the dynamic of the bat family. I love having multiple characters having them play off each other and seeing their weaknesses and having other people help out with their weaknesses and things like that. But the one problem is that because even though this has happened every single week, it seems like the character development seems to be getting less and less for the individual characters because they're adding more characters to the story. Um, We're starting to focus on characters that weren't featured in the beginning of the story or in the beginning of Titan's run. Uh, you know, we've seen Renee Montoya pop up. We've mm. seen um, now, now we've got this entire victim syndicate, which there's got to be some focus on it, you know, and at the very least just to develop those characters. But now we also have Azrael popping up. Harper Rose playing more of a role in this in this story arc. And my concern is if you get too many characters, then it starts to get watered down and becomes basically eternal where you're not really developing the characters and, and advancing the story. You're just advancing the team and that's not as enjoyable as having the character moments for each character so well and one would hope too that if if clayface then is leaves the team because he's a nut then instead of recruiting another nut the policy could go to a no nuts policy yeah you would hope so 
Yeah, but everyone has their issues. I mean, their quirks and neuroses. I feel like that's impossible to say no nuts. Well, yeah, but Clayface is talking about drowning people and stuff. And when he was on his killing rampage, he made some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's a difference between, like, Stephanie's having some time and needs some time to heal. Other than, well, that time I was murdering all those people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it just comes down to we'll have to wait and see when it comes to Azrael. But I think at this point, the way the team stands right now, I don't think the team needs or should have any more people added to it unless somebody hits the brakes. So, all right. So, Detective Comics, I'm going to give four out of five. Yeah, three and a half out of five. It's a good book. Yeah. Three and a half out of five. And over on the website, Ian gave it four. It's going to give Detective Comics number 945 a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our last book, Batman Annual. Batman Annual number one. There's several stories, so I'm going to give the title of the story, the credits of the writers and artists, and then a short recap so everyone knows what's going on. So first story is Good Boy. Script Tom King. Pencils and inks David Finch. He's back. And colors Gabe Altaib. Uh, Alfred takes in a dog which happened to have been uh, broken in by the Joker and starved and just basically rabid. And through the fall, we actually see this rabid animal turn into Ace the Bat Hound. And Bruce Wayne is pretty dumb because he doesn't realize it's a gift for him. Next up, it's Silent Night. Script Scott Snyder and Ray Fox. Pencils and inks Declan Shalvey and colors Jordi Belair. Batman creates a system which routes emergency calls to him, naming it the Bat Signal 2.0. While he is very busy, for a moment there are no calls. It's all silent. And he enjoys a random acrobatic show in the middle of a town square. Then it's back to business. The not-so-silent night of Harley Quinn, script Paul Dini, pencils, inks, and colors Neil Adams. Batman picks up. Harley Quinn up as she seems to be up to no good and he gives her the option of the city limits or Arkham so kind of giving her a gift maybe. She professes that she's actually a role model now and she was not up to no good and on their way to wherever they're going they actually pass several incidents uh, where bad things are happening but then people that either look like or dress like Harley Quinn are helping others out. Batman ends up showing his holiday cheer. He sings a little, and then he ends up dropping Harley Quinn off at Coney Island, so he gives her a gift and her freedom. Then we have Stag, scripts by Steve Orlando, pencils and inks by Riley Rosmo, and colors by Evan Placencia. Barry O'Neill is a well-known philanthropist, but his winter kingdom is, uh, well, it attracts the wrong kind of attention in this character named Minister Blizzard. Batman ends up taking the minister out, and then later as Bruce Wayne, he contemplates what actual impact he has on others because he feels like he can't measure up to Barry O'Neill. And we actually look in on Barry and uh, at his house, and he ends up getting killed by another random villain <laughs> named <laughs> Stag. So that's the title. And it's a bit of his teaser because we find out that this story or whatever it is going to be is coming in 2017, but we don't know uh, what book or books it's going to be in. The thought is, I was talking with Dustin earlier, that potentially uh, Stag will be coming in Justice League of America, uh, written by Steve Orlando. And then finally, we have the Insecurity 
Diversion, Script, Scott, Brian Wilson, Pencils and Aches, Bill Quee, Evely, and Colors, Matt Lopez. Uh, Delia Flom, this was the most bizarre one, I have to say. Delia Flom, with, with the silent P, escapes from Arkham and goes to find Scarecrow while Batman goes to find her. This is basically the only way I could describe that one. <laughs> so those are all the stories. So how many is that? One, two, three, four, five? Yep. Is that correct? Five stories. Okay. So I don't – it's been a very long time, I think, since I've been in charge of an annual. But a question that I always ask when I cover annuals is – was this worth it? Because annuals, if you think about it, yes, I think, you know, they're meant to have multiple stories. Um, they could potentially be teasing something larger like Stag does. But I think also it's something special and it should be worth it. And it should be something that you're willing to pay more money. And you're like, yeah, this was really good. So for you personally, was this Batman annual worth it? Well, um, I would say for the cover price, Probably not um, because it was was five bucks. But I think that the stories were enjoyable. I, I mean, the thing is, there, there's two different ways you can go with an annual. Um, we've seen in the past, uh, at least in the Bat books, that is, most yeah. of the time, the annuals tie into some larger event and it gives the opportunity to the writer to tell a larger story tying into something. Um, specifically dealing with not, not so much. I'm not, I'm not talking about new 52. I'm talking about pre new 52. Um, you know, there's the annuals have always been, you know, a way for the company as, as a whole to tell larger story arcs with like your, uh, your one later or one, one year later, there was uh, our worlds at war. That's some of the 2000 ones. Um, but there's other annuals that have occurred within the Batman books specifically with detective and uh and uh batman where the they tell just a larger story there was one that i distinctly remember happening before the new 52 where grant morrison was telling batman incorporated in the pages of whatever it was i think it was batman at the time i don't think it had jumped over into its own title yet but uh kyle higgins told a story about a character named night runner who was a character that batman was recruiting into batman incorporated um, and this character, we were introduced and we learned their entire backstory in just a matter of two annuals, Detective and Batman annuals, uh, that specific that specific year. So, um, And there was other things that also happened in it, but th- there was that story was in both annuals for that year. And we learned about this character that we didn't previously know about. So there's there's many different ways you can go. I mm-hmm. don't mind the idea of like having multiple stories and telling Stories, as long as it feels like there's something you're learning. Um, the Scott Snyder story didn't really feel like there was anything from that story. It kind of felt like a retread from the epilogue um, at the end of um, his run on Batman right before the end of the New 52, where it was kind of just like a one quiet night in Gotham. And that's kind of what we had here. It was just one quiet night during the holidays um, or during winter because there was snow. Um I enjoyed the Ace the Badhound story because not only does it bring Ace the Badhound into current continuity, but it kind of gives him a backstory. Um, so I enjoyed that. The 
Scarecrow one at the very end. I don't know. I have any clue what the heck was yeah. that going on. I don't know so if weird. that was supposed to be hinting at something coming up. No idea. Oh, strange. Uh, the the one by Steve Orlando with the stag, like you said, I, I feel like stag is going to be playing some role in Justice League of America since Batman is one of the key members of the team come February when that series launches. Um, and then the the other one, which was which what was the other one? The Oh, Take Harley Quinn. Place. The Harley Quinn oh, okay. one. The Harley Quinn one was fine. I mean, it was just a short story. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I didn't think it was like I didn't really enjoy the Scott Snyder one. The Scarecrow one, I, I didn't really. It wasn't bad, but it didn't really add anything that I needed to know. Um, the Stag one kind of just hinted at something, but we don't know anything about it, and it feels like we're going to be waiting here for three months before we find anything else out. But the 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 Harley Quinn one was just kind of there. I think the Ace the Bad Hound one was the best one. So I think um, I think kind of what annuals. I think this is where we lie to ourselves or misremember the past. I think annuals, as we remember what annuals used to be. Dustin and Stella, we're talking about like, this is a big, you know, I just don't think they are like that anymore. You know, I mean, we haven't had, when was the last time you had an annual that did something super important? Well, that's true. But I mean, like just comparing it to the only other annual that's happened so far, Superman just had an annual that released the exact same day as the Batman one. And it took the the opposite route where instead of telling five stories, it just told one really long story. And I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't have cut you off. What 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 do you mean by it's it's not exactly what it used to be? Well, annuals used to be like telling one big story that was semi pivotal. Like even when we've had big stories, when was the um the Mister Freeze annual from a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah. Well, I it, I never it, liked it. Wasn't that. important though. It was never part of the overall pick. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just kind of there. I remember remember for a while when the Batman a- annuals were actually Elseworld sales. Um. There was some cool stuff we did with annuals, and I don't, I don't mean, does this feel like an annual? No, it kind of feels like um, what was it, Detective Number Twenty Seven in the New Fifty Two? Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. When I mean, doesn't this feel like the exact like almost like these were the leftover submissions from that one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not that all these stories are bad. Some of them are cool. Like I, I'm with Dustin. I think Ace the Bat Hound is the best one um, by far. Um, the Harley Quinn story, I have reservations with. Not that Paul Dini does a bad job with it, but there's this whole like Batman's gonna drop her off outside of town. How many different variations of the character? Is this the Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad who's wanted by the government and is an admitted multiple murderer that he drops off? Is this the fun loving version from the animated? Like you know, some of it just kind of yeah, isn't also connect because of the Neil Adams art in my Yeah, opinion, it but... feels weird with Deanie's writing, you yeah. know. Um it's not that Deanie's writing is bad or Adam's art is bad, but the two together kind of give you a little you know, like doesn't doesn't seem to work. Um, so yeah, I just think that annuals are now kind of um, they just do whatever they, they feel like. And like I said, this one's not bad, but is it annually? I mean, would any of these have worked as individual backups? Probably. Yeah. I mean, if you shove this in the back of, of Batman number twelve as a backup, no one bats an eye. That's cute. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I don't know if it was necessity to kind of gather all these short form stories and publish them as an as a you know quote unquote annual. Yeah, and, and for me, I've been, I, I feel like more disappointed than pleasantly surprised or like happy with, with annuals. Um, I remember, you know, from personal experience with Batgirl, I remember the one that was like with Catwoman, it was like pretty darn terrible. And then, but then there was the one with, uh, in the Burnside run, which was actually good. It had a crossover with, it, it 
met up with Batwoman and the Gotham Academy and uh, Steph, and it revolved around uh, Gladius' directive, which was great because then that tied in to the end. So it had like a, a bigger purpose, and it was great to have the different art styles reflect um, the different characters that were involved. So, I, you know, there are some fun moments. Now, I really love the holiday specials that um, DC used to put out, Marvel used to put out, whether it was the Halloween or the Christmas ones where there'd be like different stories involving different characters. And I almost feel like some of these could have been taken, not all of them and, and just put in like a DC, you know, company wide, a special mm. does this work as an annual. I feel like not as much. Um, I, you, I, I'm glad that I, there's a bit of a tease with the stag, but it's actually very jarring as an ending because, you know, you've got this man in there and, and the first time I went through, I was like, wait, why did Bruce Wayne just get killed? Cause his art, like it almost looked like it was, him. Uh, but it was just very jarring because you have this, you know, kindly gentleman who's given his life and he's donating his fortunes or, or will by the time he's dead. And Bruce is wondering, you know, what have I done? What impact have I had? And then all of a sudden Barry gets killed. Um, and then there's some that I just couldn't make heads or tail of the, the Delia flom. I was like, well, but um, you know, the silent night to a certain extent I thought was a fun one. I really liked the art style and the zeros and ones of like the, the thing, of course, Batman just taking on too much than he really needs to. So I think it really gets to the heart of him and just having that really blessed moment of, of silence. But again, I think that could have just been a, a holiday classic. So for an annual, I don't know if it was, if it was necessary, but you know, I liked three of the five stories. So that's like, Maybe it was successful if I liked three out of the five of them, but um, it's not like the most impactful annual I've ever read. Um, well, my other question was actually, what was your, your favorite? And go. I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, do you still want to answer that even though you may have already tipped your hand or shown your hand? No, I think I think we pretty much covered that, yeah. at least me and Ed. I don't know which one yours, your favorite one was. I think, you know, the annual one I think is uh, also – probably my favorite well unfortunately those were the only questions i had all right so with that uh batman annual i'm gonna give a total of three and a half out of five um three out of five the teaser is the ace story is cool and the teaser is kind of cool but the rest of it's just kind of stuff i'm gonna give it a three out of five as well and over on the website matthew gave it four and a half so it's gonna give batman annual number one a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. So that is all of our books. Let's now jump into Greater Gotham, and we have three weeks' worth of books to go over. So first up, November 16th, we had Batman number 11, which we already discussed. Nightwing number 9, uh, Nightwing discusses destinies with Superman, then has some nightmares, which show Dr. Destiny, which leads him to seek out Bloodhaven. This is reviewed by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. No secondary TV books, uh, main DC Universe books, Justice League number nine. The League is able to get control back of the situation by taking out Cyborg and Simon Baz's ring. This leads them to a hacker who survived the Kindred from the last story arc. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Uh, neutral. 
Neutral. Trinity number three, still stuck in a strange reality. The Trinity travels through Gotham and tries to help Batman forgive himself for his parents' death. In the real world, Lois breaks into the barn to discover that Poison Ivy is holding the heroes hostage. This review by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five and give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Suicide Squad number six. In the main story, half of the team is taken over by some sort of hallucinations, which is causing them to want to kill. Harley seems to be the only one immune from what is happening. And in the backup, we have an earlier story from Killer Croc's history. Uh, this was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Yeah. Secondary DC Universe books. Green Arrow number 11. Black Canary assists Green Arrow in taking out an assassin on a trans-Pacific train. Green Lanterns number 11. Batman makes a brief appearance and gives some advice to Sam and Baz in dealing with some hard questions posed from the press. Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, El Diablo, and Boomerang, number four. And the El Diablo story of villain named Sin Zoom, which who may be the same character from the 2002 Batman video game, has created a gang of villains called the Children of Gotham, who represent different versions of the Gotham villains, including Joker, Bane, Manbat, and Scarecrow. In the Killer Croc story, Croc takes on a group of mutated animals and eventually becomes, becomes more mutated by the end of the issue. And then over in Superman number 11, Damian Wayne and John Kent are forced to work together to face tests created by their fathers. They eventually work together only when their fathers and Alfred are in danger. Um, and Superman number 11, just as a heads up, if you're interested in Super Sons, check out Superman number 10 and Superman number, number 11, because not only are they both written by Peter J. Tomasi, who's also writing Super Sons, but it's kind of like uh, the prelude leading into Super Sons. So. Take that, take, take that as you will. Moving into the next week, we on uh, November 23rd, we had Detective Comics, which we already talked about. Batman Beyond number two, the story of the death of the Joker is told with the addition of Terminal, finding the cryogenically frozen body of the Joker. Terry, meanwhile, fakes an attack on Batman to insert himself into the Joker gang in hopes of rescuing Dana. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Batgirl number five, Batgirl adventure, Batgirl's adventure beyond Burnside comes to an exciting end. She confronts the <laughs> villainous teacher and her own mind. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. <laughs> neutral. <laughs> I like how this is what this is that comes to an exciting end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's exciting. Not- <laughs> yeah. I know. You know, in the scheme of things, it was better probably than the remaining issues. Um, so I'm I'll give it a thumbs up ish. Ish. Harley Quinn number eight. Harley <laughs> and Ivy go on vacation in the Bahamas at what ends up to be a nudist colony after a heartfelt moment between what? the two. <laughs> yep, that's right. After a heartfelt moment between the two, Ivy departs as the vacation comes to an end. This is reviewed by mm. David. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's only because nudist colony you're a bunch of men. That's what it was. I'm calling you out. I didn't read it, as you can tell by my shock. So I'll just say neutral. It's actually a pretty good issue. Uh, okay. No secondary TBU books. Uh, main DC Universe books, Teen Titans number two. As the Teen Titans question their new leader, Damian Wayne, the group is ambushed by the Fist of the Demon, a group of young protégés that seeks entrance into the League of Assassins. This is viewed by Ryan. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Titans number five, Wally West races across the country to rescue his friends and Linda. He is successful, but it comes at a price. This is viewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 
Secondary DC Universe books, Superpowers number one. After Brainiac kidnaps Batman, Superman must help take out Batman's rogues gallery in Gotham. Wonder Woman arrives and assists Superman in taking down Brainiac to free both Batman and realize that Brainiac is not the mastermind behind the plot. All right, and then moving into our last week on November 30th, we had the Batman Annual, which we already discussed. No secondary DC, no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books, Suicide Squad number seven, Harley makes her way towards General Zod and faces off against various members of the squad who are under the control of the sphere. The backup features a story involving Enchantress. So by Corbin, he gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Justice League of America number 10, Rao attacks Earth with his full force of Dualu warriors. The League, the League rallies to turn the attackers turn the attackers back, but the future is still uncertain. This was by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. I don't remember anything coming up leading into this book. It's been so too long. long. Too yeah, long. I'm, I'm just going to say neutral because it might be good or bad, but I honestly can't remember how it fits in or what was going on or... So I mean, you're right. Thumbs down. <laughs> Talk myself into it. Neutral. And, and just to, just as a, a little bit of a little bit of tidbit of information yeah. because I found this pretty amusing. So when I was mapping out and and sending out the the list of all the comics that were being reviewed for November 30th, uh, I normally go off of the official DC website, which lists all of the books that they have coming out on that specific date whether they be graphic novels or comics, that's what I use. And on November 30th, Justice League of America was not listed as it came out. Um, I actually got a, I got a uh, text from Jim saying, hey, do you want me to review Justice League of America? And I was like, what? Justice League of America didn't come out. And it was funny because whenever issue number nine came out, I just happened to look at the webs, uh, their website, and they actually had issue 10, 11, 12 solicited at some point at you know but they had all been delayed but there was a at some point there was a time where issue 10 11 and 12 at some point on their website said that they were all coming out on the exact same day and i was like yeah that's not right that's clearly clearly something's wrong with that um but after i did some research into whether or not just leave america actually came out it did obviously come out because it was reviewed on the site by jim but it also uh did not it still doesn't appear it actually lists that Justice League of America number number ten came out on November second. So even DC didn't want people to know that that book came out. Just saying. So weird. Like, I, how long has it been since the first issue came out? Two years. First issue came out in June of 2015. So <laughs> that's ridiculous. almost a year and a half, and oh, they've, yeah. they haven't even gone through twelve, ten issues. So. All right, and then secondary DC Universe books, uh, like we talked about, Direct Currents, number one. We talked about that during the news. Injustice Gods Among Us, year five, annual number one. With After the alternate Justice League arrive, Superman tightens up his ranks and forges ahead with the One Earth government. Batman and Harley also move ahead with their rebel plans. New Talent Showcase, number one. A number of new T- of TBU characters make an appearance in this issue, including Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Joker, Penguin, and Riddler. And over in the Superman annual number one, Bruce Wayne makes a brief cameo during a recap of Superman's life. And as far as trades and hardcovers that came out, uh, we have Batman number one, Director's Cut, Justice League, Dark Side War, Power of Gods, Trade Paperback, New Suicide Squad, Volume 4, Kill Anything, Trade Paperback, The Multiversity, Trade Paperback, Flash, Volume 9, Full Stop, Hardcover, which includes Riddler as the main villain, uh, The Art of DC Comics, Bond Shells, Hardcover, Batman Arkham Knight, mm. Volume 3, Trade Paperback, 
Black Canary Volume 2, the new Killer Star trade paperback, DC Universe Rebirth Deluxe Edition hardcover, and then Detective Comics Volume 9, Gordon at War hardcover, Detective Comics Volume 8, Blood of Heroes trade paperback, Robin Volume 3, Solo trade paperback, and Sinestro Volume 4, The Fall of Sinestro trade paperback, which includes Harley Quinn. So, Lots of books that came out. Uh, obviously, this is the time where DC releases a bunch of stuff because it's the holidays and people want Goodbye. things to buy. So, so with that, we're going to dive straight into our bat signal and. Uh, before we jump into comments for episode 199, right after we recorded episode 199, there was two comments that came in from our normal uh, comment commenters or commenteers, I guess is the correct way to say that. Uh, the, the, the Ian's, uh, Ian, uh, mm-hmm. who, who comment normally. So we figured we would go back and we would read these comments first. So we're going to start off with Ian Clark's comment. Um, from episode number 198 before we get into the rest. 200th episode idea. You could do a listener call and trivia contest. It might take some work to set it up, but you could have a couple of your regular listeners sound off in a trivia contest. The trivia questions could be related to all things Batman, and you could throw in some questions related to the podcast. These questions should be things that only regular listeners would know. For instance, question, what's Dustin's favorite word to use when he wants to direct people to the website? Answer, implore. I I implore you. (laughs) Correct. Uh, Or question, who does Ed ship with Dick Grayson? Answer, Starfire. Yep. And question, who is Stella's favorite villain? Answer, I don't actually know this one, but I do know it's not the Joker. Just an idea that it could be fun. It's not a bad idea, Ian. I I agree. It's not a bad idea by any means. Um, Obviously, we're at episode 200, so we're not doing anything, but I will say this. I will say this. I, there is, there's, we're at, like I said, we're at episode now 212 because I've taken the uh, cheap way out and decided to just adjust. At least you admit it. Yeah, I have no problem admitting it. Um, (laughs) But that being said, um, even though I said we would do something for 250, which is obviously some time away, next, a year from now is actually going to be our 10th anniversary at TBU. Oh. not not January of 2017, but January of 2018. So a little over a year away, it will be our 10th anniversary. And I am planning on doing a bunch of different things for our 10th anniversary. Um, so I, I like this idea a lot. And I actually think that it would be cool to do some sort of trivia special. It would be on the specials feed, but a trivia where we have listeners test their knowledge of all of basically the knowledge of all of the casts that we have offer, not just the comic cast, not just the normal podcast, um, but all of the podcasts we've offered over the past 10 years. So that's definitely something that I'm going to do. It just won't be happening for probably another year. So uh, yeah. So then the the next comment comes from the other Ian, which is actually Ian Miller, who actually is the first Ian. Ian Clark says he's the other Ian, so I should got to fix that saying. But anyway, the next comment comes from Ian Miller, and he actually was referencing back to Stella's original comment of when is Harper Rowe going to host an episode of the Comic Cast, and he responds with, 
Uh, first of all, that's incorrect. That was an anonymous person who who's, typed who's, in and who, said, "Yeah, who says their name <laughs> is anonymous, but they're they're yeah. listed as back of Oracle, which I'm sure wasn't." Oh, uh, well, okay. someone hacked me. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Oh, uh, so Ian. <laughs> Ian says, probably never. <laughs> oh, man. Ian, you know Dustin well. However, I did want to comment that I actually read Ventures of Bane just a few days before Batman number 9 came out because of the sale on Comixology for trades, including Nightfall Volume 1. And Tom King really built serious emotion from Dixon's background. I don't think it would have made as much of an emotional impact if I hadn't read that issue, though. Regarding the 200th episode, I think having some guests would be pretty cool. And as the other Ian says, some listener interaction of some sort, whether it be a question in episode 199 that is answered in 200 by listeners, or a drawing for a prize, or a call-in, or an art contest. Well, they're all better ideas than the ones we had, which were basically, I don't know. I had a Skype call-in show. Yes, and we're still going to do that, too. That's one of the things that I, w- I am committing that we will do. <gasps> Because I think oh, really? I, I like when? the idea of I like Talking the idea of people. doing it. Um, yeah. So like definitely that's on the list of yeah. one of our specials that we're going to do for our tenth anniversary. So um, I know it seems like I'm just pushing this all off, and in some ways I kind of am because this is a kind of a weird transitional phase for some of the stuff on the website, um, where it's not the greatest time in the world to be putting together something, especially so last minute as tried to do it for episode 200. But that being said. I like the idea of a call-in show. I, I love when we hear from our fans and they have the ability to talk to us and ask us questions. I, 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 that's why I love listener comments on the, the mm-hmm. podcast because I like talking. I like giving my thoughts back to them. Um, so call-in show, definitely trivia. I like that idea as well. Um, as far as a drawing for a prize, that is something that's actually th- that I've been formulating now, in the past, when we've done contests or prize pools or whatever, um, we have not had the best luck when uh, trying to do something. Now, we just yeah. did something recently where we were giving away codes for Suicide Squad, um, the the Suicide Squad film theatrical mm-hmm. and extended cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had an enormous response for that, which I was very surprised and happy about, but I think that was more because we were being retweeted by the official voodoo account because they were the ones sponsoring the contest. And that's probably why we got so many people who gave interest into it. But that being said, I huh. will say this because this is episode number 212 and Christmas <gasps> is, and Christmas is right oh. around the corner. Oh, he's killing me with this. I'm I going know, right? to do right now a <gasps> contest. I have two digital codes for suicide squad extended cut um, that I will give away on the next episode. So that'll be in time for Christmas, but it will also be right after it releases on, on Blu-ray and DVD. So if you plan on buying on Blu-ray and DVD, you're going to get a digital copy in the package. So I guess you won't want to enter, but if you're not buying it and you want to get it for free, because either you read rotten tomatoes and saw that they got a horrible rating. You're like, I don't want to pay money for it. Don't trust that. Or, or, you just don't feel like spending money and you want to spend money somewhere else because it's Christmas. And mm. instead of buying yourself suicide squad, you can give your, give, give somebody else a present either way. This is, this is what I'm, I'm offering. So we have two codes of suicide squad that now, unfortunately this is only open to us residents because the codes are only going to work in the U S. So I apologize to our international bad fans. I, there's nothing I can do about that. This is how these codes work some point we will have a contest that will be included for international bat fans. 
Um, also, probably tenth anniversary. Just our sweetest. So, somebody should probably make a now. somebody should probably make yeah. a list of all these things I'm promising for our tenth anniversary. Um, but anyway, two two free codes. So basically, the way you have to enter, the way to enter is you go to the website, leave a comment on this episode, which of course will be labeled two hundred and twelve, not two hundred, and you have to say you have to say what uh, what your number. You have to list two things in in the comment. One, what is your favorite moment from the comic cast oh, out of no. the 200 episodes we've had? <laughs> okay. Whether it be a specific co-host making some stupid comment or whether oh, okay. it be, uh, it, it could be anything. Yeah. Like that right there. You could say anytime Stella says that. Anytime Stella makes fun of Dustin, that's my favorite moment. Um, or, and then the second thing is I, I, I also want to know what your favorite Batman story is in comic form of all time is story arc one story arc you can't pick five you can't pick one just or no you have to pick one you can't pick more than one. i was gonna say pick yeah. up your mind son <laughs> can't, you can't pick more than one so i want to know what your favorite batman story arc mm. is in the comics alone it could be batman it could be batgirl it could be batwoman it could be robin it could be anything you want but it needs to be just one story arc so it could be a story arc that you know includes a number of different titles like no man's land or nightfall or something like that, where it includes, you know, supporting character series as well, or it could be something as simple as, you know, Robin solo or something like that. So that's the two things, your favorite moment on the comic cast and your uh, favorite Batman story arc of all time in comic form. And then I will pick one of the commenters and announce the winner on the next episode. And then all you'll need to do is just, I'll, I'll just email you the code with the directions how to redeem it. So actually I'll pick two. Cause like I said, I have two codes, so I'll pick two of them at random. It's it, it won't be whether or not you have the best moment or the best story arc, nothing like that. I'll just basically put your names in a hat and pick two winners. That's the way it works. So if you would like to win suicide squad in time for Christmas in digital format, which will include the theatrical and extended cut. All you have to do, is just go to the website, leave a comment under the podcast episode and this specific podcast episode with your favorite moment from the comic cast. That could be difficult. Yeah, that would be very difficult with your favorite podcast moments from this, from the comic cast and your favorite comic story arc of all time. And then you will be entered. All right. So that all being said, we still have one more comment, which also comes from Ian. Ian Miller. Yeah, I wondered um, if you forgot the way you were wrapping yeah, it up. Yeah, I know. I, I was wrapping it up. But anyway, episode 199, he left a comment. So it says... Last podcast before the big 200. You're wrong, or, Ian. Or 212. Yeah. We were lied to. We were lied to. Bring back Richard Stoneless. Okay. Uh, hooray. Excellent podcast as usual. And I just wanted to say I've really been appreciating the way the Batman line is approaching the loss of Tim Drake. The main title of Detective is, of course, handling it really well, since Tynion has been controlling that plot thread from the beginning. But the way it's been handled in other titles, such as Teen Titans, Trinity, Batman, etc., has been really solid. Respectful, heartfelt, and true to character without stopping any of the stories going forward. Here's hoping to 200 more episodes. Smiley emoji. 
Hmm. Right. I agree. I think they've been doing a good job with Tim Drake. Um, it's definitely not the feeling like when Damien died where everyone's just randomly mentioning him because they feel obligated to because the cover of the comic book says Requiem and somehow they're all supposed to tie together. Um, so I think that they've been doing it well. And it's funny because the fact that Damien actually died and it was held, handled so poorly and Tim Drake's not actually dead, but they're handing it so well. It's just it, it's it's amusing. The other question, too, and I agree with what you're saying, saying, too, by the way, Ian, but I guess my other question is who will be dead longer from Batman's perspective, Damien or Tim? Because how long was Damien dead before Bruce got him back from the dead? Uh, I mean, six like months? A, no, no, no. I think it was like uh, a in, in, in time, though, not in comic oh, book time. Oh. In continuity time. Like, because he still had his body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was he like maybe a month or two? Yeah, I mean, some. I mean, somewhere in that general area. I don't know. Yeah, it couldn't have been that long because I mean, like, there was the the issues in, of Batman and Robin where he was traveling the world. It had to be like every issue was only about a week apart from the right next there. issue, so it was probably only a couple months. So that's my curiosity would be you know, who's gonna. I don't, I don't think anyone will top Jason, who was dead for a substantial amount oh, of yeah. time in both, in both real life and in the books. But um, yeah. no, I do think the way we're dealing with Tim's death here is, is very well done. Like I said, even though he's not. He's not dead, but who knows? We may, for all we know, he's never coming back. I mean, not as, maybe not as Tim Drake, you know? All right. So with that, that is all the comments we have on the website. As, as I mentioned, be sure to leave your comments for the next episode, including if you're interested, you don't have to leave a comment. If you're, you don't have to leave a comment specifically, like I said, for the sweepstakes, you could leave a general comment that we could talk about as well um, for the next episode as well. So, in addition to that, I want everybody to head over to the website, check out everything that we have to offer, including news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer. There's new episodes posting every single week on the website, so be sure to check out and see what's new as far as the podcasts go. So a couple of quick things. I mentioned the survey in the past. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I first mentioned it, but uh, we have we still have we're still taking survey entries. Um, to, to better understand our demographics as well as um, what feedback on what we can change with the website and the podcast and things like that. So if you haven't yet taken the survey, I, I implore you. Of course, I'm saying implore, and now I'm thinking, uh, of course, implore. I, I implore you to go to the website, click on the Give TBU Feedback. We want your opinion green spot on the sidebar. It'll take you to... Um, survey monkey where you can take the survey and then give your feedback on not only us as a comic cast, but also the website in general and give us an idea of who our listeners and fans are. Um, in addition to that, you can support TBU in now two different ways. You can either support Ooh. us directly through uh, PayPal by hitting the donate button on the website. That's also found in the sound sidebar. Uh, we also have lost launched our Patreon account um, now, if you go to Patreon and you want to support us, basically what you're going to see is a big description as to what we're looking for. Um, and there's a bunch of rewards. There's pledges as much as uh, as little as one dollar, as much as a hundred dollars. Obviously, the more you donate, the the better the reward is. I I'm not going to go through everything, but one thing that specifically you might be interested in is if you are potentially interested in 
raw, uncut, and unedited versions of the comic mm. cast. Oh boy! Um, prior to prior to uh, them actually releasing to the public, uh, one of the rewards is if you pledge twenty five dollars, you will get both comic cast raw, unedited versions of it days before they actually release to the public. So, both a um, blessing and a curse. Yes, that's true. So, <laughs> so, 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 basically, if you'd like to hear our uh, unedited discussions before we record and after we record and things like that, that's the way it will actually work. So, um, that's one of the rewards that specifically deals with the comic cast. There's also other other rewards, uh, but like I said, you can check it out. Uh, the link is in the sidebar on the website as well. Um, please support us. We have zero supporting us as of right now because we, wow. we literally just, just started. Just, yeah, we just launched it, so yeah. it's not a big deal. But I know that uh, on the survey, people were saying a Patreon account would be a good way to support the website. So mm-hmm. we have gone through and done it and have brainstormed ideas on what exactly we could give as rewards and things like that. And if you have feedback on the rewards or comments on that kind of stuff, shoot me an email, tbu at net. Or if you have other ideas for things that would you think would work well, I'm always open to ideas because my brain only can work so much. So, And, and everyone, there is a, like, like Dustin said, there is a $1 a month one, which is, doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, but if we had enough people join at the $1 a month, it would be substantially helpful for the site. So yeah, don't, I mean, don't think that, that that wouldn't help. Seriously, to, to put this in perspective, the the goal that we have per month is about one hundred and fifty dollars. Now it seems it probably seems like a lot, but in 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 the realistic terms of everything, once we factor in the actual uh, server costs per year, uh, the maintenance to, to to do everything, and some of the things that we'd like to do, like do updates on the website, uh, get you know do some video stuff that requires editing and things like that, uh, produce more commentaries. Um, produce more podcast specials in general that requires extra funds that we need to have people paid to do certain things that unfortunately we aren't able to, you know, find volunteers to do. So that that's not, it seems like probably a lot if you're thinking about it, but when it's all said and done, it's, it's actually not that much money, but we have thousands of people who listen to this episode every or this podcast every single month and if every single person gave just one buck one buck we'd be one set. buck yeah I, I feel like i feel like wikipedia right now because they're always got that banner on their <laughs> oh thing that that's says, so if annoying. everybody gave three dollars we'd be done in five minutes <laughs> who's the that why the hell are they talking like that i know it's the old man wikipedia what are they from the 1800s yeah it's like it's like Wikipedia because it knows everything, so it's like the old wise man. Whatever, fine. That's just the way I think of it. Wikipedia wait, 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 in my mind, wait. I think was of it as an old, old grumpy man. Was that an old wise man you were doing? Old wise man, old grumpy man. That's just what I was. Just There's let's move on. on let's, my let, belt. let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there's kids playing on my lawn. Anyway, if we all, if everybody gave one buck, we would be done in no time. And one dollar oh, is, is really nothing. Yeah. I mean, literally, you're just giving us a, a, the price of a candy bar or something. Probably they actually less than, than buck, yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, they cost more than a dollar. So, so like if everybody did just contribute $1 per month exactly. to listen to us and everything else that we offer on the website, we would be in a very good position. We could produce happy. all kinds of awesome content every single month. Um, so that all being said, please contribute. We appreciate it. 
In addition to that, leave us reviews on iTunes. And as, uh, as I said before, leave comments on the website. If you have any skills that you would like to dedicate or donate your time, volunteer your time to the website, um, there's a slew of uh, a, a list of, of uh, talents that we're looking for also on the Patreon site. If you can't contribute funds, but you'd like to contribute your time. So if you have any skills, just shoot us an email, tbu at dubmh.net. So anyway, that is everything for this episode. Um, in it, so, so from now, we're going to actually be back in two weeks. So we'll be right back here before Christmas. So you'll have a nice new episode ready for the Christmas weekend. And then after that, you'll see us in 2017. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. Ed. This Great, is Ed. Uh, <laughs> and Gretchen. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.